What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my fantasy baseball content gets posted out through there, whether it be these podcasts, my articles, different Twitter threads. It's all in one place, so please do go check me out over on the Bird app. We will be doing today what we typically do, but I will also be looking back at some of those two-start pitchers that I was talking about over these last couple of days. We had a bit of a mixed bag. We're going to go through them one by one and talk about all four of them and their successes and their failures. That will be a little bit of a different twist to today's episode. Everything else will be pretty much the same. We're going to be looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll go through the waiver wire, see who's being added and who's being dropped, and then we'll highlight a very special matchup that's going to be taking place tonight. Really, it should be one of the better pitching matchups that we've seen all season. I don't want to give it away, but I think if you guys look through um, the schedule tonight, you'll be able to figure that one out. But I do first want to talk about these two-start pitchers because I feel like it's what I need to do here. I've talked about them for several days now. They started last night, all four of them, and I think I should go through all of them. There were some varying degrees of success amongst them. A couple of them did well. A couple of them did very poorly. So why don't we start off with one who was actually being added ahead of everybody else yesterday, but ended up having a really terrible outing, and that was Matt Manning. We knew coming into this season and this recent stretch of good performances from Manning that this wasn't quite as good as he really is. But we were hoping, you know, he'd be able to build off of these last few outings, which were very strong. Two very good matchups for him this week, and he just got absolutely destroyed. Seven earned runs, two homers, only one strikeout and two and a third. He was absolutely brutal. I added him up in a few leagues, and he really set me back. It's going to be a very tough road uh, in one of those leagues in particular now. But that's the way of the game. Uh, It's a roll of the dice. Matt Manning looked to be one of the better options, and, you know, I'll stand by it. Even Even in hindsight, I would go back and I would do that again based on all the factors. Things like this do happen. I mean, seven earned runs in two and a third is obviously, like, the worst case scenario. He didn't even give you any strikeouts there to help out just one. So obviously, this is a huge disappointment for Matt Manning. Now, are we going to be holding on to Matt Manning ahead of his next start, I guess, would be the next question we got to ask here. And I think it really depends on the situation your team is in. If you need the spot throughout the week, then maybe you let him go. His next start is against the Royals, so you got a big positive there that you can look forward to. Maybe you don't have any ads left. Maybe you had four and you used them all, or maybe you just have one left and you want to save it. You can't be dropping him. That's a pretty decent start against the Royals there, and that is the buffer that we have with all four of our matchups for this week is that all eight games between those four guys are good matchups. Uh, So even guys like Manning and the next guy we'll talk about who didn't have the greatest of nights, they still have a chance uh, to to redeem themselves later on in the week. So Manning, uh, I'm not going to fault you for dropping him today if you need the spot, but if you are going to hold on slash you need to hold on, Uh, The Royals are a pretty good matchup there to look forward to, and that will be on Sunday. So it's bad, but there's hope that we can maybe turn this week around a little bit if he goes maybe five, six innings and has a good outing on Sunday. It might be able to turn things around for you. But let's move on to the second guy that I highlighted yesterday. And I'm going in reverse order here, worst to best. So these will keep getting a little bit better as we go through the names. Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin had a matchup beautiful matchup here against the Nationals. He threw five and a third. He gave up nine hits, five earned runs. That was the real kicker. Four of them in the first two innings, and 
my heart sunk. I wasn't watching this game the first couple innings, and I saw through two innings there he'd given up four, and I was like, this is this is great. This is fantastic. I've been a huge Cole Irvin fan. I still am. I still believe in him, but this was this was really bad stuff. Five earned runs and five and a third, obviously not great. Now, where it does get more positive is he did get the victory, and he struck out six batters. So, I mean, we will take that from Cole Irvin. He has had some starts this year where he has really deserved victories. I mean, if you just look at his last outing against Miami, seven innings, three hits, and 11 strikeouts, and he did not get the victory. He got a no decision. Baseball is really weird like that with wins. You will absolutely take this like that. I'm absolutely taking it where I got it. And I was saying this on Twitter yesterday. It was a disaster. Like if you stream Cole Irvin in there, and especially in those first couple innings, it's, it was pretty much a disaster. But the six strikeouts and the victory, you will take that this time of year. To go along with the five earned runs, yes, it'll hurt you in ERA, but six strikeouts out of Cole Irvin is no small feat. Like, yes, last time out he had 11, but he's for this season. I mean, before these last two, six and 11 in each of these last two starts, it was two and one respectively in those games. And it wasn't like, you know, really short outings. It was six innings in both games. So we kind of got lucky with the six strikeouts here against the Nationals. You'll take it. You'll absolutely take it. Now, I'm, I, I'm still probably higher on Cole Irvin than the average person. I just like the ballpark factors. I like these matchups specifically. I mean, Washington, it's hard to go wrong with a Washington matchup there. It did happen. It, it did happen. But there, there are some positives there as well. And the last positive with him is that he has another start this week. It's against the Orioles on Sunday. So, a lot of people feel kind of differently about the Orioles. Some people think that this is kind of legitimately who they are. I still think they're way overperforming these last, I guess, two months has it been now. It's not really who they are. If you just look through that lineup, you can see that this is a team that's playing out of their minds. It's more of a character morale thing than a talent thing. And I, I know that they have some young, bright products, um, some young, bright studs uh, in the making, I should say. But I don't think that they're quite there yet, and I'm still pretty comfortable to stream against them on a whole, as a whole, and especially in their stadium here with that extension in left field now. It's a lot harder for right-handed batters to hit home runs. Right-handed batters will have the advantage over Cole Irvin, him being a lefty. His next start is on Sunday against the Orioles in that stadium. So I'm still holding on for Cole Irvin for that second start. It's kind of similar, similarly to Matt Manning. Excuse me, I can't find my words today. Matt Manning in that if you need to drop him, I'm not going to give you a hard time about it. If there is somebody out there who has a really good matchup over these next few days or a really hot hitter you want to grab, something of that nature, I'm not going to – I don't think it's a terrible idea. But, again, uh, that's the backup plan with all four of these guys. Even if they didn't do well, you got that second start to look forward to. Personally, where I added him up, I'm just going to save those ads and I'm going to use him in those second starts. Uh, there's three leagues where I have Cole Irvin. So trust me, it was, it was a bit of a shaky night last night. I was worried there for a while. But at the end of the day, you'll take a victory. They're very, very hard to come by, especially, I mean, Cole Irvin has had a lot of good outings this season where he didn't get the victory. So he was kind of owed one there. And the six strikeouts, you'll take that, no question. I do want to talk now about somebody that I have talked about quite a bit, so we won't spend the longest time on him here. But George Kirby... He's still 65% rostered. He had another good game yesterday. They didn't push him particularly far. He threw five innings, uh, gave up two hits, and struck out five batters and walked one. Now, he threw 79 pitches, and then he was relieved by Chris Flexen. Kind of strange seeing Chris Flexen come out of the bullpen, but not just come out of the bullpen, throw four innings, allow three earned runs and five hits, and then get the save. 
baseball's rules, honestly, there are some weird ones with saves, and there's like some some games are technically saves like this one, and it's just like, what the hell are we doing here? Like the rules of baseball need to really be looked at, I think, in terms of this kind of shit. Because I don't know. I guess like by definition, there's some way like this equals a save. I just don't see. I just don't see how it, it really doesn't make much sense to me. They had a nine nothing lead by the time he came in, and then he allows three runs, and he gets a save. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird seeing him pitching in relief at all, but especially four innings getting a save like that. George Kirby, absolute must roster player. I've been saying this for a long, long time. Still somehow available in thirty five percent of leagues, and let's say five ten percent of those leagues are inactive. Let's even go be funny about it and we'll say 15% of leagues are active or inactive which is not likely I think there's probably between 5 and 10 but let's say 15 there's still 20% of leagues at that point where you can go ahead and grab George Kirby who is literally I think the best pitcher that the Mariners have you might want to make an argument for Luis Castillo I wouldn't fault you so much for it and you might even want to make an argument for Robbie Ray and I think you can make a decent argument for any of those three pitchers Logan Gilbert's kind of fallen behind a little bit them now but George Kirby, there is no reason on God's green earth why he should be available in so many leagues. Go ahead and add him. I know this is the Tigers, but it's just part of a track record of really good outings for him, which have gone on for pretty much the entire season at this point. So if he is available, absolutely go ahead and add George Kirby. The last start we will talk about, the last of my recommendations, and this one went the best. This one was absolutely spot on. Very happy because there was, we talked about a little bit of a mixed bag here, especially with Matt Manning. That is one that I'm going to be losing some sleep over for the next couple of nights. But here we have Cal Quantrill, who has been on an absolute roll recently, and he continued it yesterday. Six innings, one hit, one earned run, four strikeouts, and he did walk three batters, but you'll absolutely take that considering he also got the victory there. So, I mean, Cal Quantrill is not an exceptional pitcher, but he is on an exceptional run right now for a team that has just really been performing like at the highest 100% of their of their expected outcomes. I mean, that was that was phrased about as poorly as I could have phrased it, but this is like the 100th percentile version of what we could have possibly seen out of the Cleveland Guardians this season. Over the last month, it's been 38 innings for Quantrill with 27 strikeouts, a 2-1-3 ERA, and a .76 whip. Absolutely fantastic. He gets the Mariners on Sunday. He's someone that I would also be holding on to if you have the luxury to. Not everybody is going to be able to have the luxury this time of year, and especially if you are in a league where there are a lot of ads, maybe it's unlimited ads, maybe you don't hold on to Cal Quantrill. But I think in most leagues at this point of the year, you kind of have to. I know the strikeouts aren't going to be there, and wins might be hit or miss, but you're you're still going to be holding on there. Uh, for me, it's, I don't know, unless you're talking a really shallow league, I think that you should still be holding on. And I believe that the matchup that we'll see on Sunday is going to be George Kirby versus Cal Quantrill. So that one should be really interesting. As a whole, I think we did okay with our streams. Not as good as I would have hoped, but three of the four pitchers did get victories. Manning had a really bad one. Irvin was not great, but you'll still take it. And then Kirby and Quantrill gave you a pretty good outing. So I'm sorry for those of you who stream Matt Manning along with me. It was definitely a tough road. We'll have to make up for it throughout this week with different ads and a little bit of luck because I think that's kind of uh, the unsung hero of fantasy sports is luck. Not having injuries not having bad things happen to your team. Like one of my teams, the home league team that I focus on as much as any other team that I focus on, playing with my friends in that one. And 
you know, it's just a little bit more competitive when you actually know the people and have to see them. I've lost Jordan Alvarez. I've lost Brandon Lau. I lost Walker Bueller. I've lost Tyler Molly. Like, that's just bad luck. I drafted Adalberto Mondesi in that league like a freaking moron. So things like that do happen. It does, you know, luck is a massive factor here. So bit of a mixed bag with our starters, but I think overall – Overall, unless, of course, you just stream Matt Manning and you're probably pretty upset, but I think we'll take it. I'll think we'll take it for the whole. I do want to talk about some of yesterday's top performers uh, in terms of the position players, and we'll, maybe we'll mix in a pitcher or two here, but I do want to talk about a couple of guys in particular. Uh, Nick Prado is definitely somebody we need to go over. He has hits in four straight games, and yesterday he was four for five with a double and two home runs. Now, I'm not such a big Nick Prado guy yet. I think that he has some potential to be a really good baseball player. But right now, he's a guy who's striking out nearly 35% of the time. Very low batting average. And even with those two home runs yesterday, he has six in total. No stolen bases so far. He's just not much of a fantasy asset at this point of the season. I think next year, there's some chance for him to maybe be a deeper league guy. But right now, I'm going to be leaving him alone. I don't think it makes a hell of a lot of sense uh, to add Nick Prado. Gavin Sheets is another guy who hit a couple of home runs yesterday. He drove in five runs for the White Sox. I have a little bit more faith in Gavin Sheets because we saw him do it a little bit last season, 11 home runs and 160 at-bats. This season, he has 12 of them in 291. Obviously not as impressive, but the batting average is just shy of 260. And he's got the same eligibility as Nick Prado at first and in the outfield. So if you are looking at adding Prado, I would probably turn your direction towards Gavin Sheets. Not that either of them are really going to do it for me so much, but over the last month, Sheets is 23 for 62 with four homers, batting 371. He's driven in 18. He's doing a little bit more for you in a better lineup. So if I had to go between them, I'd go Sheets. I think they're both, I mean, Prado is really iffy, but Sheets is a decent deeper league option, I think. Not that he's going to blow you away, but he can give you some power, mix with some decent average right now. And of course, that infield outfield mix is always very nice to come across. Jake McCarthy had himself another really nice game for the Diamondbacks. Two for five. He had a home run. He drove it five. Now, I'm worried with him about playing time. I've talked about this, uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before with Jake McCarthy, that they already have their outfield, like, I think pretty much set. They got Barsho. They got Corbin Carroll. They got Alec Thomas. I mean, Cattell Marte is mostly DHing, or he, I mean, he played second yesterday, but he's been mostly DHing. And then you have McCarthy, who was the DH yesterday but might lack a little bit for playing time here down the stretch. I think that he'll still play, but I don't think it'll be every single day. So I don't know. I'm not sure I'm so big on a Jake McCarthy ad. I think a lot of people are going to kind of add him up, thinking that he can give you decent power numbers. And I was looking at some tweets and some stats this morning that he has really bad power metrics. It's just not something that we can expect to carry on. And, I mean, 70 games and five home runs, it's not like we've seen a massive uh, power explosion from him or anything. But he has hit a couple home runs here over the last 10 or so days, so I think it does need to be addressed. He's just not a big power guy. He's not really going to do much for you other than steal some bases when he is in the lineup. So I'm not sure I'm really so big on Jake McCarthy. Maybe a specific roto need for steals maybe gets the job done. I just don't think he's going to play enough to really justify an ad. So in a deeper league, in a 15-team league, maybe take a chance because I think they're if he keeps hitting like this, then they'll probably play him. But they're going to prioritize Corbin Carroll. He's not going to lose playing time to Jake McCarthy. I don't think Varsho is going to lose time either. And I think Alec Thomas, they'll continue to play as well. Now, he has been okay, not been great. He was 4 for 5 yesterday, mind you. And for the season, he's batting 248, 8 homers, 4 steals. He's been, he's been okay. 
I think they're going to want to see what they have there more with him uh, as opposed to Jake McCarthy. I'm not, I'm not saying that Jake McCarthy's not going to have value. I just think that it might be a little bit harder, and if there is somebody who's going to have days off down the stretch, I think it would probably be him. So I'm, I'm pretty indifferent on an ad, to be honest with you. Deeper league, uh, maybe, but it's just not something that I'm really going to be so interested in right now, unfortunately. And for next season, I've seen people talking about him as somebody who might go up draft boards, who knows what the Diamondbacks are going to do with their outfield, and maybe they move on from Marte or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm just not not really going to be that interested. He's pretty much just a steals guy who's, granted, hitting 288 right now. I just don't know if that's really sustainable. So end of long story short is, for the most part, I'm going to be passing on Jake McCarthy there. I do want to talk about Nick Gordon because he's another guy who has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I know uh, he's been a pretty popular ad over the last few weeks in NFBC leagues. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago where he was really hot and people were adding him up. Yesterday, he was two for four. He had a double and a home run and drove in six. Now, I'm not the biggest Nick Gordon guy. I think that he is okay, and I think that he can give you that little decent mix of power and speed. Not that it's going to be crazy, six home runs and six steals this year with the 276 average. I think the eligibility is what really does it for me, second, short, and in the outfield. I think that he makes a decent play. I don't know that he's going to have regular playing time. If you're talking about a 10-team lineup, I don't think he'll be able to fit in there. Can he be a 12-team guy short-term? Maybe. I think that he is a 15-teamer, a solid 15-teamer. And then in 12, I think he's an okay streamer. But I I don't think that there's like rest-of-season kind of value for him. He's been pretty hot. He's batting 312 over the last month. But I'm I'm not thinking that he's going to be a guy who moves the needle so much for you. So, yeah, I think he's an okay option, but nothing, nothing really too crazy here. Let's talk about Aaron Judge just briefly. He hit another home run yesterday, drove in three, and scored two as well. And I think the tide is starting to shift more towards him for MVP in the public sphere. A lot of Yankee people are really going hard for it. I talked about this yesterday, so we're not going to get into it so much. But every day that passes, I move a little bit farther away from the Otani camp and a little bit closer into the Aaron Judge camp. I just think that he's probably going to end up getting more of those votes at the end of it. Obviously, pitching is very impressive as well as hitting, but as someone pointed out, not that this is the be-all, end-all factor, but Judge has to play the field every single day, plays very solid defense for the Yankees, where Otani, when he has been on the field in his career, not a great defender. Not Obviously, that's not the main thing there, but it's just another little tidbit for Aaron Judge, and I don't want people to think I'm like a big Aaron Judge stan. I'm not. I'm a Toronto fan. I'm not a, I do not like the Yankees, but I think we have to recognize how great Aaron Judge really has been this season. Let's talk about Andrew Heaney. He is somebody that I was wrong about. I've said this before. Um, He's just, I'm still kind of like, it's Andrew Heaney. I don't know what to say, but he's done very well, and you kind of have to tip your hat. Five innings pitch yesterday, seven hits, two earned runs. He struck out eight, and he also did hit a batter. But for the season in his 46 and two-thirds innings, he somehow only has two victories, despite playing for a Dodgers team that's won almost every game this year, it feels like. 70 strikeouts in those 46 innings, 2-1-2 ERA and a 1-0-5 whip. I just still can't believe it, really. I, I, you know, I would never have thought that I'd be sitting here saying that Andrew Heaney is a solid option, but Andrew Heaney is a solid option. I, th- yeah, there's, there's not much more to say other than I was wrong. I did not foresee this coming at all. Just looking back at what he's done in his career, a 4.55 ERA. I mean, last season his ERA was 5.83. The year before, 4.46, 4.91, 
715-706. You see what I'm talking about here? It's just like, it's Andrew Heaney. And I guess we can't underestimate the, the value that the Dodgers had there with him. Uh, that's, that's the big thing. I mean, we've seen that with him and with Tyler Anderson. These pitchers that have really no track record of success that are now looking like absolute studs. And I mean, the Dodgers really need this right now, especially with Bueller out and Kershaw, I think, is still out. Gonsolin and obviously Trevor Bauer. It's just like they have missed a lot of their starters. It's hard to feel bad for the Dodgers, but they're missing like an entire rotation worth of pitchers, worth of pitchers who have been either All-Stars or Cy Youngs at some points in their career. So it's really remarkable that they still have. I want to just pull up their record real quick. I can't remember what it is at the moment. Uh, 90 and 38. Like that's that's incredible. I'm not a big Dodgers fan. I, I'm really not. I think that they spend way too much money. It, it throws off the playing field. I don't think it's really fair that teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers can just throw a ton of money at, at players and other teams can't. I think there should be some more regulations around it. But, I mean, when they have success with guys like Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney, who are not your big free agent signings, they are just showing the quality of their organization top-down, development, management, everything um, they are just fantastic. So Andrew Heaney, another long story short, go and add him up if you still can. It probably won't be too many leagues, but he has been absolutely dominant this season. Uh, one of the better strikeout arms that you can get, if still available, and I don't think it's many leagues, but 70% rostered. You might get lucky, and you might find him sitting around in some cases. I do want to move on to the waiver wire portion of the show now, where we'll talk about the most added and dropped players across fantasy today. The number one ad is Marco Gonzalez, and that's a really risky one for me. I'm not a big Marco Gonzalez fan. Now, he's had a couple of decent outings in a row where he's won both of them, combining for only five strikeouts in 11 and a third innings, which is something we'll get into here. Marco Gonzalez does not strike out anybody. We talked about it yesterday, how Dakota Hudson is allergic to strikeouts. Marco Gonzalez is pretty similarly uh, afflicted. 79 strikeouts in 140 and two-thirds innings. Now, if he was doing that by giving you elite ratios, maybe you'd take it. But he's got a 3.97 ERA and a 1.39 WHIP. Now the 1.39, or excuse me, the 3.97 ERA is not bad, but his expected ERA is 4.83. The fielding independent pitching is 4.97, and the expected fielding independent pitching is 4.89. Which, if you're not really familiar with those terms at all, essentially just means that he is overperforming. And it's something that he is usually guilty of. Um, his ERA is typically lower than the expected ERA and the fielding independent pitching. But he's just never really been that great of a pitcher. He doesn't really do much for you from a fantasy perspective. From a real-life perspective, he's okay. I mean, he can go out there and eat innings, and he's not going to like kill your actual baseball team most of the time. But from a fantasy perspective here... He does not do anything. He really doesn't. I mean, even when we saw him face Oakland, which was another poor team, he did get the victory, which is more luck than anything else, as we've talked about many times, but only one strikeout. Like, that's really, really tough to justify at this point of the season. For me, I'm, I'm not really going to be so interested in the stream here of Gonzalez. I'm going to be holding off. I just don't think he's going to cut it. Nick Martinez is the next guy being added. Now, he allowed a home run yesterday, but he was still able to lock down the save. And he's been getting every single save opportunity recently for the Padres. So if you need saves, Nick Martinez is your guy at the moment. He's up to 37% rostered on Yahoo. He was only 7% last week. So people do have a pulse still. It's good to see. Now, the only worry I have here with Nick Martinez, and I've mentioned it many times, 
is that Josh Hader will get this role back eventually. So this is more of a short-term ad. This is not something I can say. Nick Martinez is going to be the closer for the rest of the season. It is possible, I suppose, if Hader continues to struggle. But you just have to buy into the track record of Josh Hader and the fact that he'll probably figure it out at some point. They want him to be closing. They do not want Nick Martinez in the playoffs to be their closer. I don't care if he is brilliant the rest of the way and doesn't allow another doesn't throw another ball the rest of the season. There's, Josh Hader is still going to be their guy that they're at least wanting to attempt to get into that role. So he'll get more opportunities. Martinez may end up being a short-term guy, but if you are desperate for saves, maybe you lost Ryan Presley and you missed out on picking up Rafael Montero, then go ahead and get yourself some Nick Martinez. He's got the last four save opportunities and he's converted all of them. You're not going to find a better relief pitcher option right now on waivers. Let's talk about Gunnar Henderson. Now, they said yesterday that he was going to be put on the taxi squad, assuming that he'd be added to the roster on Thursday when they expand. I think they add two players to the roster on Thursday, either two or three, I think they get expanded by. And that's what we were expecting, but they've announced uh, within the last hour or so that they have called him up. Gunnar Henderson is a Major League Baseball player. Very exciting week with him and Corbin Carroll both making the show. Now, he has a two ninety seven batting average this season with, um, how many home runs we got? 19 home runs and 22 stolen bases in 112 games. That's between AA and AAA. And man, like the Orioles, I, I know I said it at the beginning here that they're like overperforming, and it is true. Like this is not a team that should be doing this well, especially a team that subtracted pieces at the deadline. Mancini and Lopez leaving that team, they, sh- they shouldn't be doing well. But they have an incredibly bright future over there. Gunnar Henderson now, I want to see what happens. I, I don't think that much is going to happen, but could they possibly sneak into the playoffs? I think so. I mean, let me look. take a look at the standings. They're three back. I, it's, it's possible. I do think that they are playing out of their minds, but with this expanded playoff format, I forget how many teams make the playoffs. Is it 14 or something like that? 14 or 15 teams make the playoffs. So it's possible, man. Can Gunder Henderson give them that kind of boost? Yeah, I think he can. I think for fantasy purposes, he's got to be added up pretty much everywhere. He's eligible at only shortstop at the moment. I'm not sure exactly if they're going to move him around a little bit. Maybe he'll play some second. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what their plan is. But regardless of where he is eligible, Gunnar Henderson is going to have to be added up wherever you can. He's only at 18% rostered on Yahoo. Give him a couple of games to hit a home run or steal a couple bases, and that number will shoot up. 18% is not going to be what it is for long. Corbin Carroll is up to 48% rostered now, and that number was like around where uh, where Henderson's number is a couple days ago. So get on it while you can. I'm not saying that they're going to be the exact same player here, but Corbin Carroll has been absolutely fantastic. It does make you think Gunnar Henderson can do something kind of similar. And if you missed out on Corbin Carroll, odds are you're probably going for Gunnar Henderson just because of that fear of missing out factor. Let's talk about Carroll for a split second because he is still somebody who is available. 48% is still less than 50 you can still get him in particular leagues. I'm not sure. I mean, most competitive leagues, he's probably going to be scooped up. But go take a look for Corbin Carroll. Yesterday, he was two for five, a couple of runs, three RBIs. So far throughout this season, I mean, he is the number one player on a per-game basis. That's kind of funny. It's only a couple of games, but he is three for ten, four runs, and five RBIs. In two games, four runs and five RBIs. Yeah, absolutely love to see it. Go ahead and get yourself some Corbin Carroll shares. Uh, it should be a lot of fun the rest of the way, uh, the rest of the way. I've added him up pretty much everywhere, and I'm very happy about it. 
Oh, man. Here we get to a tough one again. It's Trevor Rogers. We mentioned it yesterday. He is scheduled to start tonight against Tampa Bay. Now, I said this one yesterday. Now, he got added up in 9% of leagues over the last week. If, you, if that's what you want to do, then you can't be talked out of it at this point. There's nothing I can say that will change your mind if you are already adding Trevor Rogers. It's pretty damn risky. That's what I'll say. Um, last year, obviously, he was excellent. But he has shown none of that this season. He has struggled with control mightily. The strikeouts are down. He's just not performing. He hasn't performed, and I, I'm not willing to take the chance on him. He hasn't pitched in the majors in more than a month. Last time we saw him, he was bad. It's just not a chance I'm willing to take this time of year. It's just There's not enough upside there for me. Best case scenario is probably five innings, six strikeouts, something like that. I'm not sure how much they're going to push him here in this first start back either. So it's just it's just a no for me all the way around. Not a big fan of this one here whatsoever. Let's talk about some drops today. It's pretty much who you would expect. Matt Manning is the top of the list. I, I mentioned this one earlier. If you have the luxury of being able to hold on, hoping that you can get that start later in the week against Kansas City, then, I, then I'm okay. But there are going to be teams where you don't have that luxury. You need to churn him out and go get the next best thing. So... It's really a situational thing with Matt Manning, but uh, as on the whole, it, it's an okay drop. You're not going to get grief from me about it. Dakota Hudson, I did warn you guys yesterday. I know we got a couple things wrong, but we did get this one right. Four and two-thirds while allowing five runs, striking out two batters. It was great American ballpark. It's Dakota Hudson. There were just all the warning signs that could possibly have been there, were there. So, yes, drop him. There is no need to hold on to Dakota Hudson. He's just not... Not very good. Uh, Jack Flaherty is supposed to return next week, so maybe Dakota Hudson isn't even in the rotation going forward. Hard to say, but he is really not impressive. Cole Irvin is the next guy being dropped, and again, kind of similarly to Matt Manning, I prefer to hold on to Cole Irvin here, but I would also understand if you need to get him out of there and move on to the next player. I do think he is better than what we saw and what we have seen because he's proven it to us over these last couple of months. Really good outings against teams like Houston multiple times, and I've said this before. Multiple good outings against Houston, good outing against Toronto, good good job against the Yankees a couple times. Like he's just a lot better than what we saw yesterday. These strikeouts are probably not going to last. Seventeen in his last twelve and a third, which is excellent for him. But I think that he can be a lot better, and I think that he should have some decent value against the Orioles on Sunday. So keep him if you can. Jamison Tyone, he has been dropped quite a bit. Exited with right forearm contusion. Obviously, not the best. But he did get a line drive off of his arm, so it could have been worse than this. I'm just thinking how stupid the Yankees are for trading Jordan Montgomery. I mean, just really, it could be something that derails their entire season. I don't think that it will necessarily, but it's they've lost some pitchers over these last couple of weeks, and it's not looking very good for the Yankees. Jamison Tyone, at this point, from a fantasy perspective, is probably going to be a drop. He hadn't been so great recently. The strikeouts have really not been there. Obviously, low walk rate, but I don't know if that really is enough to justify holding him at this point. I don't know exactly what we're going to see in terms of him missing time, um, but according to Yahoo here, um, x-rays negative, might be able to make his next start in the rotation, which would be September 5th against the Twins. I guess, uh, depending on league size, you might want to hold on and just see what the extent of this injury is. But I think in a lot of cases, you'd probably probably be all right to move on. He wasn't doing so much for you anyway here. So it's not going to really be such a big deal. Jesus Lazardo is the next guy being dropped. He allowed five runs. Only three of them earned, though, in six innings against Tampa. It didn't murder you from a fantasy point of view. 
I'd rather have him than Jamison Tyone going forward, and he is only 61% rostered, where Tyone is 73. So if that is a direct swap you could make, I'd be more comfortable holding on to Lazardo. I think he can give you some better strikeouts. Obviously, not as good of a team he's pitching for, but I think uh, as a whole, you're going to take Lazardo there. For what it's worth, he's also eligible as a relief pitcher. It doesn't make a huge difference, but there are going to be times where that extra eligibility put into your lineup can make a big difference. So I don't think I'd be dropping Jesus Lazardo. I think that we kind of overvalued him at the beginning of the season a little bit because he had that one really great start in particular, and we thought this was going to be a really great season for him. It's unfortunately not been, but it's really, I mean, he's missed a lot of time, so you can't hold that necessarily against him. When you look at what he's done recently, though, 36 and a third over the last month, 32 strikeouts, a 2.97 ERA and a .94 whip. Not somebody that I am quite ready to be dropping yet. Let's talk about Brady Singer for a second now. He did not have the greatest start yesterday, but I'd still be holding on to him here. He went four and two-thirds, gave up nine hits, four earned runs, and a homer while only striking out four. It was really not the best, but, I mean, this is Brady Singer. He's been a must-roster player for a while now. His only two bad starts as of late have, funnily enough, both come against the White Sox in Chicago. The previous one was August 3rd, uh, 11 hits, four earned runs. He only struck out three in that outing, so... Something about the White Sox, I guess, have his number. I'm not sure. But his next start is this Sunday against the Tigers at Comerica. He's not somebody that I'm willing to drop. That is a prime start. If someone does drop him in your league, then he makes for an amazing addition ahead of that Sunday start. It's the Tigers. It's Comerica. We should be fine for that one, especially with what Brady Singer has shown us that he's capable of doing this season. He has really taken a step forward. Yes, a couple of bad starts against a division opponent are not really going to change that for me there. I do want to give you guys my matchup of the night real quick before I let you go. I did tease it off the top, and I also mentioned it this morning on Twitter. So if you're following me over there, you already know who this is. But it's going to be Jacob DeGrom and Tyler Anderson. My tweet this morning was just listing out DeGrom's stats since returning on August the 2nd. He has a 106 FIP, a 135 XFIP, a 44% strikeout percentage, and a 1.9 walk percentage. A CSW of 37% and an O-swing percentage of 47, 46.9%. But it essentially means that batters are swinging 47% of the time and pitches out of the zone. The guy is ridiculous. If it was D- Jacob deGrom versus any no-name brand pitcher, you'd say it's, it's a must-watch. But he's facing Tyler Anderson, who has been one of the best pitchers in the National League this season. Surprisingly, but it's true. He's 13-2 with a 2.69 ERA and a 1.02 whip. He has been absolutely fantastic. This matchup, team-wise alone, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could break this down, but even just any old Mets and Dodger game right now is going to be worth watching. But when you got, obviously, Jacob deGrom, the best pitcher of his generation, arguably, and Tyler Anderson, I mean, it's weird to put him in that same sentence, but Tyler Anderson, who's having a really great season in his own right for the best team in baseball, this is an absolute must-watch game. It's going to be starting, I believe it's in New York. So, yeah, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Everybody can watch this one. Obviously, the East Coast, there are some games with the Dodgers where I can't watch them. I, I could, but I'd have to stay up like past 1 o'clock to watch them. So this is great. West Coast stuff. You love to see it on the East Coast. That will do it for me for today, guys. Thank you so much for checking out the show. I really appreciate all the support. If you guys have not done so already, leaving a five-star review or a positive comment on the show page would really go a long way, whether it be on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your pods uh, leaving that five star and subscribing are both very important during the off season. If you're subscribing, you're still going to download 
even though maybe you won't watch it every day, it still helps out the show to uh, support and crank up those numbers. So I really appreciate all of that love. Go hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my content goes out over there, podcasts, articles, tweets, the works. It's all over on Twitter. So guys, best of luck, and we will see you again tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.